Welcome back to Following Noah on a Stormlight Podcast. This week's episode 146, and we have finished The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. This is Brandon Sanderson's second published novel. We have finished it at the first book of Mistborn. Paul, how are you? Great. This is like the moments that we've waited for. And I think uh, I think I can finally feel a little bit of what you felt before, Trevor, of like being glad we're finished with the book so that we're kind of up to date. You know, I get to feel that a little bit with with Elliot here of just kind of knowing the big Sander Lynch of this book um, and now getting to talk about it. So I'm super excited. I did not remember the term Sander Lynch was established so early in his writings. I thought that was something like he grew into. But that is certainly established in this book. I don't remember if it is really a thing in Elantris. When we get there, I'll have to reconsider that one. But Elliot, how are you? I'm also doing great. I'm coming down off the high of finishing a a Sanderson novel. So it's uh, it's been great. This one is not quite what I expected to to be in neither a negative or a positive way. It It was a very enjoyable experience. Sounds good. We have several different things to talk about in this episode. We've got to cover quite a bit. We're doing the entirety of part five in this episode, and then some implications of that of the book moving forward into the rest of Mistborn. So if we don't cover something, I apologize. Maybe we'll hit on it uh, next week in our entire book wrap-up. But for now, let's roll the intro, and then we'll do chapter summary from Elliot. Hey, Paul, do we have anyone on the mug? Well, this week we don't actually have a new, what's our thing, surgeon, surgeon or more uh, this week, but we, I think my camera got super fuzzy there, uh, but we do want to shout out um, people for using our shop a little bit because it's, it's really exciting to see um, a lot of the merch go out. Uh, and just a lot of the things like that. I still currently only have the mouse pad, but I'm planning on getting some more stuff, and it's exciting. But uh, we've seen some stuff, like some mugs uh, bought, and we wanted to say uh, a big thanks to Elijah and and anyone else who's been shopping on our Shopify. It's new, and it's really exciting. So uh, that kind of goes in place of a mug shout-out this week. But uh, I will, of course, always raise my glass to to anyone who watches and uh, gets to chat with us about Stormlight. So, thank you, Elijah. I think he got a a, a black mug, an all black mug, um, with our artwork on it. So, thank you for that, Elliot. Would you like to try to summarize the entirety of Part Five? The entirety of Part Five of Mistborn. Final Empire. See, I almost did it again. I almost again <laughs> said the mistake I said last time where you guys rolled your eyes but did not uh, correct me. Mistborn, the Final Empire, Part 5. We're just coming off Helsier's shocking death, and our team in Chapter 35 learns that 
that was maybe part of the plan the whole time and that their rebellion is is still on and they can still rise up and attempt to take down the the lord ruler kelsier has even left behind the 11th medal specifically to vin so in chapter 36 vin takes the 11th medal with her and heads into critic shaw to see what she can do to try and take down the the lord ruler she gets there tries to use the medal but uh gets captured She's taken before the Lord Ruler, and the Inquisitors stage a little bit of a, a coup almost, where they prove that Vin is the daughter of the uh, the High Obligator, the Lord Prelan, and <clears throat> the Lord Ruler allows them to execute him, Vin's father, there on the, the spot, rather brutally. However, Vin, uh, after getting thrown back into jail, is saved by the combined efforts of Sezed and Elend, who come to her rescue and she ends up being able to turn right back around and heading back into the throne room with the the lord ruler in order to try and take him down and well the rest is history and we're going to talk sounds good we will get into a lot of big reveals both in chapter 37 and 38 um there's quite a lot of talked about but first we get we, we get a little bit of an explanation or definition of what a chondra is in 35 renew reveals himself as a chondra officially as a reader if you're looking closely you can spot that in kelsier's like internal dialogue way back in like i don't know chapter 20 or something um but we get the official reveal to vin that renew is a chondra and then also with the epilogue elliot i want to hear what your thoughts on chondras were do you are are they interesting to you? Do you like them? Are they what was was it entirely unexpected? Definitely interesting, not so much unexpected. I I definitely picked up some of those breadcrumbs along the way of kind of what we were heading to with this being that can take on the body of something else and become it. We I think saw that was coming or got hints that that's what the Chandra was. Like we knew that Renu was likely dead and the Chandra had kind of taken over the body there. The connection I had not made was to the mist rates, which makes perfect sense now that it's been revealed, but I didn't think about it at the time that the Chandra is just a more sophisticated almost kind of version of the, the mist rates. It does the same thing, but it's just a lot smarter and more, aware about it i guess yeah at this point especially when i was first reading i was always wondering like how does a mist wraith become a chondra my understanding was that they were like kind of almost evolving into each other like a mist wraith because because they're described as just kind of a big blob of bones and stuff it comes across all sorts of things and the chondra seems like it has the brain power to like put all those bones together yeah. or like like uh consume a specific like skeleton in order to like become that person even and like impersonate that person um and so i i don't fully i don't know if i remember exactly what the the difference is there or at least if i do then i'm not going to say it so yeah, uh, that was my big question doesn't remember a, yeah uh I just don't quite remember. Right. No, but that was like my big question. Um, finishing this book, 
Uh, thankfully, a lot of stuff is answered, though. We'll talk about it later, but a huge thing that I was super excited to learn about was our Inquisitor friends. Um, we're not friends, yeah. I should say. Um, Maybe we should tally it next week for Elliot, but this might be the f one of the first books that we have more answers than questions at the end of the book. Maybe we should maybe we should tally it next week in our wrap up, but we get a lot of answers. Um, we do. Yeah. Anything else from thirty? Uh, actually, what did you guys think of Kelsier and how he set himself up to die here? to give um like the ska like a religious martyr figure because he deliberately does this and then has renew devour kelsier and then make like ghost appearances to the ska to call them to action throughout the night so he'll he'll show up to this like little ska rebel group and say it's time to go i'm calling you to action even though i died today blah 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 he he does this whole like religious cult thing around the city. Elliot, what did you what did you think of that? Is it I I have a negative reaction to it, but is it like a necessary evil? Well, I have a generally positive attitude towards it and that it shows some serious dedication to his cause that he's willing to die for it. He's willing to die for his friends, he's willing to die for an entire nation worth of people that have been oppressed for centuries and he knows it this this puts his conversations with Sazed throughout the book into a very different context doesn't yes it? yes it does. there's all those moments where he and Sazed are having conversations about random religions and this almost makes it look like he Kelsier is wanting to use the power of religion that he wants to He's trying to figure out how do you motivate an entire people? And perhaps based on some of those, that research that he was doing, he came to the conclusion of, well, a great way to motivate an entire people group is to become a martyr, is to prove to them that your cause is worth so much that you're going to die for it. And then he does add on that bit of, yeah, then he has the Kondra like become him and then come back from the dead to in inspire the people that he's left behind. Yeah, it gets gets a little weird in there. I have a little more thoughts, but Paul, what were some of yours? I, I'm I've I've been excited to talk about this a little bit. So whether or not you like or dislike this, we'll talk about that in a second. Whether or not you do, no matter what you think about it, it is like extremely I feel like extremely apt to the character of Kelsier. Oh yeah. That like he has really like set up so many big scenes for for people for the ska of like, you know, we talked about the ethics uh, kind of from the start of it seems like he drops in to these places, these ska places and tries to like instill hope. But we talked about the ethical side of it, it seems almost like a false hope and it gets people kind of killed or hurt or you know or or you know all the older scar like don't put this in our kids minds because you know all, all the things right we could talk about that for a while um i i don't know he loves making scenes he loves getting back at like the nobility here and this is just like how far like this is the furthest that it could be taken 
So he's like, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to give my life for this and then still be kicking it, essentially. Like, still having that carry a lot of weight far after, like, he he even dies. Like, he died to kind of, like, amplify the magnitude of what he says, almost, with this Chandra and with, like, appearing to people, which... It is it is a bit much, I would say, but it is very like from from what we've thought about, like from what we've looked at with Kelsier's character, it just seems so fitting and well written that this would be the case. Don't don't get me wrong, I do think the lengths that Kelsier goes to here do justify the outcome. He. He's doing enough like white lies for the ska um to get them to where they need to go. Um specifically the having the Chandra I want to say dress as him, but that's not the correct term, uh morph as him and uh, claim to be back from the dead, like that that is quite the leap, but um we're overthrowing the Lord Ruler here. So I, I do think the ends justify the means at the, at this time um so i'm not going to put too much blame on kelsey here his plan works out great uh but i just think it's interesting to see the lengths that kelsey will, will go to here i think I've, it really I've, shows that there was no length he wouldn't go to yes i i yes. think it's like kind sure. of the the what's it what's the term for it the like nail in the coffin if you will like the the final say like he would stop at nothing i do have two beefs with this one in story and one kind of on the the writing of this the first is it exactly that you, that you're getting on trevor and and paul that you're mentioning too is Helsier is leaning very heavily into the religious aspect of the culture yeah specifically using it to achieve his ends which while i don't want to directly compare it to the lord ruler it is in my mind kind of in the same territory as the lord ruler setting himself up as god and using that as like the manipulation of the people of you should serve me because i'm god kelsier He's not quite going about it. He's not going about it in, in a malicious way like that, but he is kind of saying, hey, look, I just died for the cause and came back for the dead. You should fight for me. I I don't know. It's a gray area for sure. He's good at the... those. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what did we talk about before? He's the neutral, neutral good. No, chaotic, neutral. Chaotic, chaotic good. I think or you called him chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral. Specifically, yeah. chaotic neutral. I think specifically didn't give yeah. him chaotic good. Yes, yes. I think he's he's still firmly in that category. My second beef, and it's a a bigger one. Not, not a huge fan of something that Brandon Sanderson did here. We got a we got a big twist in our plot, and that was. Surprise, Kelsier intended to die to inspire this cause. The the beef I have with that, what I don't like, is that we as a reader 
have spent time inside Kelsier's head. We have read fairly significant sections of this book from Kelsier's perspective. And when a story does this, where you find out at the very end that a, a specific character intended something all along that you weren't expecting, that, that alone is fine. What I don't like is that we were inside Kelsier's head and never once got a hint of that. It, it, it feels a little bit fake to me that I was, I was given thoughts from Kelsier's perspective and those thoughts were lying to me or concealing from me the true intentions of that person, which to me is like, okay, I wasn't really in that person's thoughts then. I was just getting what the author wanted me to know not what the character actually would have been thinking in that moment. Unless, unless Kel Kelsier is like that mentally disciplined and that he's not even thinking about his plan because he's trying to hide it from everyone. I, if Maybe it's a little bit too far and maybe I should just buy into it a little bit more, but it, it bothers me a little bit that I feel like the twist, I don't know. I didn't quite buy it completely. So... I don't think this is actually like intended to be a point, but this could be a quote like a backup plan for like whenever he dies that he has set up and like whenever he dies, this goes into motion if that makes sense. That way it's like whenever he dies, it's not like oh, he's dead, like he's dying and then it could just be like there's this plane set in motion that people are now taking out to show that, like, oh, he meant to die. This is all part of his plan. We need to keep going and overthrow the Lord Ruler and and stuff. Like, still, like, retaining that power, even if he doesn't mean to die, you know? If I... Which I don't think... I don't think the writing is that deep. But, you know, like... I wanted to... Go ahead, finish your thought. There's not too much left to it other than, like... The the whole point of Kelsier, I feel like, is to be seen, one, kind of, I mean, not his sole motivation, but, like, for him to be seen as strong in order to, like, inspire hope in the Ska to overthrow the the final empire here. Um, and I feel like yeah, him dying, whether or not is intentional, he has, like, he it makes sense for him to kind of leave some message like that, or this, not really message, this whole scheme to use that death, not to discourage the people and for them to lose hope, but for them to, like, push even harder forward. So. I, I wanted to, I was trying to find a justification for why it would make more sense. And the, the backup plan is the one I, I wanted to cling to of like, well, maybe Kelsier didn't intend for it to happen exactly this way, but he had a backup plan in place in case it did. And then he'd be able to kind of pull this angle. But the note that he leaves behind for me seems like pretty clear evidence that that's not the case. He, I mean, I guess you could read it different ways, but leaving behind a very specific note with very specific instructions with the 11th medal specifically in the note for Vin seems to lean towards he intended to die, which I'm only bothered by because I was in Kelsier's head and his thoughts didn't betray him. 
I, I'm fine with the plan. The plan is fine. It's very Kelsier. It makes sense. It's 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 consistent with the work. I just don't like that I was lied to by Kelsier's thoughts. That's fair. I think that's really interesting. That one is of, like, yeah. One of my main takeaways as a rereader was being inside Kelsier's head and seeing how this played up to him dying. Because there are several... I, I, I would encourage you to go reread some passages, specifically when they're in the recruiting army phase um, of Kelsier internal dialogue, because he has a lot of like one-liners saying like i need to train this person to do this because i won't be here for it or mm. i okay. i need to make sure this happens because i won't be here or the day is soon coming where you're going to have to do this by yourself that, that there's a couple there's a couple lines like that that i caught on, on as a rereader um that I certainly didn't catch on my first read. So I think there might be more than what you caught. Um, but I'm I'm curious to know if you would agree with me after a reread. I could see that. I could see that being that it I I didn't see it because I wasn't looking for it. I would be curious to read it again. Anything else for 35? All right. 36 Vin jumps us into our action sequence and majestically and gracefully stalks her way into Kretik Shah, dismisses the guards and says, you can go join the rebellion. I give you permission to go join. And they kind of look at her like, what? Um, but she appeals to their, that there's just Ska guards guarding the entrance to the keep. And she says, it's time to go join the rebellion. And they do. Runs into the keep, and she's after the room that Kelsier and Vin were after the first time. She runs into this little chamber that the Lord Ruler visits like once a week or something like that. Once once a week for like six hours or something like that. Um, And she gets there. Uh, what did you guys get out of this scene? There was some fascinating stuff in this series of scenes. Leading up to the 11th medal of not doing what Vin thought it was going to do, but we'll talk about the 11th medal in a second. There's something that Vin does as she's trying to get past the Inquisitors that I really loved. We were talking about Kelsier for a while there. In the last episode, we talked about Kelsier's really creative usage of Allomancy and in his duel with the Inquisitor, all the really interesting ways they were using steel pushing and iron pulling. I noticed in this scene, Vin has taken a page out of Kelsier's book. She has learned from, from the master and the arrows come up with a, yes, the arrows. So she does something really cool in the way that she takes down the inquisitors with these arrows that I didn't even pick it up fully on my first read, but as, as I was reading it my second time, I was like, wait a second. I got I got to sit down and, and and draw this out. So I did. So pull up the pull up the picture that I that I sent you guys. I had to draw a little diagram because my engineering brain has to process things with little diagrams. And Trevor, hopefully you can pull this up for our YouTube viewers that are out there. If you're just listening on audio, I'll try and describe it as as best I can. Or feel free to jump on our YouTube channel and and pull up the the diagram I made. Here is what Vin has done 
and uses to really good effect to get past this inquisitor. So I've got kind of four different quadrants of this diagram that you're looking at. She has some arrows, right? She's got a whole bunch of arrows. They're just regular arrows made of wood with obsidian tips, no metal. What she does is she breaks off the, the tail. So she just has kind of the shaft and the arrowhead, and she puts a whole bunch of metal rings around the shaft of that arrow. I've got them kind of in the red and yellow here in this diagram. So then when she runs up against the Inquisitors, she can use her allomancy to push all of these arrows at the Inquisitors by pushing on the metal rings. So that's the, the red arrow in the top right quadrant of my diagram here. She's pushing on the metal rings. They all push up against kind of the front of the arrow and they, they catch on the arrowhead and they're pushing the whole thing forward. The Inquisitor, of course, and I think they actually does this in the scene, just, just kind of laughs and says, ha ha, I'm just going to push that right back at you. So he does. So he reaches out with his allomancy and he pushes on the metal. The problem is he can only push on the metal rings that are around the shaft on the arrow. So the red arrow in my third quadrant, bottom left, shows the metal rings getting pushed back. However, there's nothing stopping those rings now. And so the wooden and obsidian arrow keeps going forward, the black arrow there. It hasn't slowed down one bit because all that happens, and this is in my fourth quadrant, is those rings, they just slide off the back of that arrow. And there's nothing that the Alamancy can do to stop the arrow striking the opponent full force. And so when Vin like uses this with a whole bunch, like 15 or more arrows, the Inquisitor thinks they can stop it because they can sense that metal. But in reality, they can't. As soon as they push those rings off, the arrows just destroy them, which is exactly what happens. Really, really brilliant usage yeah. of Alamancy here. Brilliant. Diagram really helps the with the visual. I don't think I fully got to this um, in my mental picture, uh, so I appreciate this. Definitely did not. That is actually really cool, and that is really really clever of just a concept to come up with. Like I'm I'm impressed with the writing on that, pretty big time as yeah. well. Just the cleverness. Now, unfortunately, she's going up against inquisitors, and she. Takes him down really well with this trick to uh, to start with, but unfortunately, it's an Inquisitor, so it just rolls around on the ground for a little bit and then pops back up and captures you again. Unfortunate. There's a there's a couple interesting things about this scene that I want to point out. When she bursts into this into the Lord Ruler's room, a the Lord Ruler is actually in here, and she doesn't recognize him as such because he's in old form, which we'll talk about later when we get to thirty eight and talk about the Lord Ruler uh, in full. But um, she bursts into the room, and this is the first scene like where I imagine it being very Earth-like. She, she jumps into this room, and there's like paintings on the wall that are framed, and they've like got a yellow tint. There's furs on the floor. Like, none of the... Scadrial feels more Earth-like than other planets that we visited in, in the Cosmere, but this is the first scene that I've really stopped and thought like oh i could picture this in a mansion on earth like that this is just somebody's study on earth um which i think is deliberate from uh, uh from mr sanderson here because um you're, you're supposed to like feel a tangible connection to like old lord ruler like he was just a, a guy um 
and he has his belongings here in this room that only he goes in. So I just wanted to point that out that there's some very Earth-like descriptions in this room um, that I hadn't heard in this book yet. It definitely seemed like a very cozy spot. Like he's probably got some leather bounds on the bookshelf in the corner. He's got a nice cozy chair and he just comes and just like reads for a few hours every, you know, once a week to, to recharge and just, I don't know, or decide the, the weariness of the world. Be old for any one of these rooms. Yeah. Just be old. <laughs> Vin gets captured, um, which I'll, I'll revisit this with a quote here in a second, but she gets captured, gets taken to um, the throne room. Is that in 36 or 37 that she gets taken to the throne room and Lord Prelin is executed? Uh, the The Lord Ruler is so good at allomancy that he is so finely attuned to emotional allomancy that he knows when people are lying. So Vin lies to him and says, I don't know who my father is. And then Lord Prelin also lies and says, I don't have any offspring. Um, as far as Lord's ruler is concerned, that's enough evidence. Lord Prelin dies. That's how 36 ends. There is one other thing that's kind of neat, right? So it's right before that, is they have Vin burn a different metal that they, like removes all of her metal reservoirs. They do. I want, has. I want to talk about that here in a second. If Can, can I read my quote real quick? Yes, 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 of course. Okay, this is not in the book, but this is an annotation from Brandon Sanderson. This was released in May of 2007, which is six months after the book was published, six months before The Well of Ascension was published. Okay? Quote, If I had a chance to rewrite the book again, one of the things I'd change is the scene where Vin gets caught here. If you want to imagine it this way instead, pretend that she dropped both Inquisitors completely and therefore thought she was safe to inspect the room. The Inquisitors can actually heal far more quickly than I've had them do in this book. My problem with this scene is how easily Vin lets herself be cornered and captured here. I think that breaking into the room is exactly the sort of thing that she would do. However, I just don't think the writing works here. She's far more careful than that. The way it's written makes it seem like she gets grabbed simply because that's what is needed to happen for the plot. There isn't enough drama or enough realization to the scene. I do like what happens afterward, however. Vin using the 11th medal. In the in this book, we get our first hints regarding just how much Allomancy has been hidden and ob obfuscated by the Lord Ruler. Vin realizes that the 11th medal must be part of a structure of Allomantic theory, as is the medal that she's given that makes her lose all of her medals. It's aluminum, by the way. Mm. I thought so. For reasons I can discuss probably down in the Stormlight spoiler section. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Any reactions to, to that? Just to add that I, I like this scene, specifically the her burning an unknown metal that sucks up all the rest of her metals or destroys them or removes. And then she kind of like muses on the impacts that the, what, what might be the cause of that and the 11th metal kind of at the same time. She just kind of collects her thoughts on alimantic metals. And it just was another little bit that hints at 
there's so much more about allomancy than we know. It's been presented to us very matter of fact, very, there are exactly eight metals, except for these other two, and they do exactly this, and they are paired together like this, and here's the rules, and you can't ever break the rules, and we know everything there is to know. And then slowly throughout the book, there's like moments where Vin does something she's not supposed to be able to do, or the Lord Ruler does something he's not supposed to be able to do, or all of a sudden there's another metal and it doesn't make sense, and all of a sudden there's another metal and it doesn't make sense, and it's just kind of like this slow feed of, yeah, there's way more here than you don't know. At least that's what I'm gonna kind of getting the the vibe of, which I love. I love the fact that we got this such a finely crafted, scientifically sound magic system, and then we kind of get the the wool pulled just a little bit more off of our eyes to say, oh, wait, there's more, yep. which I just thought had been fun. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, specifically the one that jumps out to me is Ellen, I'm sorry, Kelsier burning Allomancy to destroy ATM. I think there may be an explanation coming. Um, I, I kind of mm. got on um, that for like the mechanics and how that was kind of frustrating. but. With, with this type of reveal, I think that we may actually get that explained to us later because of, we just get a one-liner here that Vin gets fed a metal she's never seen, is forced to burn it, it extinguishes everything, um, and we don't get another explanation for the rest of the book. Um, we get an explanation apparently six months later after the publication, and Brandon Sanderson just drops, oh, it's aluminum. Um, so he certainly has it all planned out. Um, so I'm curious to see how many or how much more we get to explore here. There's there's still some very specific unanswered questions. Like Vin gets to the conclusion that the 11th metal is probably an alloy of gold for reasons we'll talk about in a second. I assume we're going to go back and talk a little bit about the 11th metal and what it did. It, it seems related to gold. Well, then the obvious kind of follow-on question is, well, then if gold has an alloy that does something similar, ATM should have a counterpart. ATM is now a specific metal that we know of with a specific ability that does not seem to have a known alloy. And fitting in with the rest of every other metal we've seen seems like it should. And then, of course, there's the metal that you just revealed was aluminum. Does that have an alloy and something that it would do? And what are the impacts of all of this to our other stories and planets in the Cosmere. That's some other thoughts I have. But yeah, interesting stuff. We'll talk about the 11th metal right now, I think. She jumps into the room, burns the 11th metal. I'm going to tie this to 38 as well, because she burns the 11th metal in 38. She doesn't know what the 11th metal is really going to do in 36, burns it, and sees an old or two older versions of the Lord Ruler, and one's like an aristocrat, and one's a like a, a um like a merchant dude, and she's very confused by it in thirty six. But then after thinking about it further in thirty eight, she tries to use it as a weapon. She burns the eleventh metal and then attacks this like alternate version of the Lord Ruler 
Turns out it does nothing, and she can't even interact with it like she could with her own double with gold. Um, so, yeah, turns out Kelsier was pretty much right that the 11th medal doesn't really do anything super useful. It's not like the anti-lord ruler medal. Um, so, I don't know. It It's one of those reveals that doesn't really turn into anything super um impactful but i think that's a good thing because if everything was like super impactful then you lose your contrast of things that are really um impactful to the story and things that aren't so i i do think it's interesting that we've had this whole build up of something that didn't actually turn out to be much i, I felt it was a little more exciting than that the 11th medal doesn't end up being the silver bullet that they thought it was going to be but it does end up being the piece of the puzzle that allows Vin to get to the right conclusion, which directly contributes to her being able to defeat the Lord Ruler. Yeah, it's, that's true. It's through the eleventh medal that she realizes that the the image of the past is either a past version of the the person or an like an alternate version of the person. I wasn't quite sure which. Mm -hmm. She realizes as she's looking at this alternate or past image of the Lord Ruler that it's a it's a terrace pacman that she's looking at it's a it's a mountain man he's got all these furs and it's it's not the character that she got to know by reading the journal and she's able to go from there to well wait if he's a terraceman then he could be ferrochemist and then from there is able to conclude oh if that's the case then i just need to get his medals away from him and then that kind of slides into the rest of the scene where we see her break the rules of Alamancy and be able to actually stop him. But it it did end up it ended up not being at all what they thought, but it it still was kind of the the snowball that started the avalanche. Yeah, that's true. I think I feel like that's a detail that minorly gets looked over of how kind of neat that reveal was. I think I, I absolutely loved that it turned out to be like a terraceman. This was kind of like some disguise. Um, I just thought that was neat. It wasn't like a, she uses this metal and like see, it reveals some like weak spot in his side or something. And it's like hit right here and you'll hurt him or something like that. You know, it, it was like oh. an intelligence game. The Inquisitors apparently do have that boss weakness. You just have to they find do. the right spot. Yeah. They do. We ready to talk about 37? Yeah. So Vin gets sent back to her cell uh, with no medals. And then the Inquisitor taunts her with Sazed. He brings Sazed in and says, this guy was looking for you. We're going to torture him in front of you. That sounds like a good way to get you to reveal some of your information. And then Sazed just waits for the Inquisitor to leave the room. And then he has swallowed his own metal mind, uh, his own pewter strength metal mind, turns into the Hulk and um, rips apart his cell, rips apart Vin's cell and breaks them both out. Um, I guess this is a, this is a reveal or it is for Sazed at least that Sazed gets to swallow his metal mines to protect himself as a ferrochemist. So that's pretty cool. Hey, I want to pause on that for a second, though. 
So Vin swallows her medals and then she burns them. She consumes them. They're gone. Ferrochemy different, right? Yes. He's not using up the metals. Correct. That's important later. So I couldn't help but think in this moment, Sazed has swallowed some metal. He's going to have to pass that. Yeah, later. it'll come back later. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. Also, questionable. Uh, some of these metals, I think pewter is one of them. Lead is kind of the famous one. Art poisonous like if if you ingest them it, it's not that's not good and i've i've kind of been assuming up to this point that with allomancy it doesn't matter now they talk about this don't they kelsier talks about hey don't sleep through the night with metals left in your in your stomach yes yeah i think says might have just poisoned himself but I, he, oh well i think sanderson okay. has deliberately or has specifically answered this question where at when we went to Dragon Seal, somebody asked the question: Is it possible to be allergic to your to your metal? Like the the questioner was like, "I'm allergic to nickel," and let's say I was allergic to iron or whatever, and that was my that, that was the metal I was burning. Is that possible? And Sanderson says, "Yeah, that's totally possible, and that's really unfortunate. Like, it, you have all the same <laughs> rules um, that how the human body reacts to metals um, on Earth so, as on Scadrial, so." I would assume iron is the same way that if you just swallow iron or pewter, then it's you're gonna have all the normal side effects that you would on Earth, assuming you don't burn it away. Anyway, Teza does go. I kind of got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde vibes from this moment, actually. You've got like Sazed, who's the wise, you know, books and knowledge sort of thing. And then he just like hulks out on us and the muscles are bulging and his head is tiny on top of his huge body. Yeah. That's cool. Cool moment. That's pretty true. Just don't make him too angry, you know? True. I guess. Who Ellen else shows up? also runs in to the, to, the, uh, to the rescue, which I think is kind of funny. Um, it, it feels almost like, uh, you know, when... In Lord of the Rings, in the movie, when the hobbits run in, because Frodo's been, uh, quote, captured by Strider, and they're like, unhand him, you know, it just feels like they're really, uh, he's really un outmatched, but he's just running in anyways, you know, insert, I guess, Samwise Gamgee here, um, is what it feels like to be. He's running in, and there's just like, you're running into the base, like, there's Inquisitors, there's everything... What are you doing? And he's just a guy. Like he's he is a like nobleman kind of like you know, he holds maybe some like political power ish. You know, I mean, his dad mostly holds that, but like he's notable. But like he doesn't have any anything else going for him. So, you, do you want to hear this what moment? Go ahead. The power ahead. of love. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> this this moment for Ellen actually for me, puts the the nail in the coffin, completely kills my theory on him being a misborn. <laughs> he, and, and this was the explanation we got from like Kelsey or somebody like, ah, oh, we've seen him in, you know, dangerous situations before. And he didn't, he didn't use any allomancy. So he's, he's not a, a misborn. I was still kind of clutching on to, well, but do we know that for sure? He could be just being sneaky about it. Yeah. Th this was the moment. If he was a misborn, 
he would have used it. And instead, he did exactly what you're describing, Paul. He charged, not quite unarmed, but basically unarmed when you're talking about Inquisitors and things like that into the enemy's keep. He clearly does not have any magical powers. He did have his dueling cane, so you got to respect him. For and his five his, soldiers. His walking stick. That That is true. Five soldiers. That is true. Bring it on. Well, there's, there's a quick Brandon Sanderson annotation here about Ellen, which I think is funny. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but it starts with, we get a quick Ellen scene here. This is the best I could do for him for the for a climax for his character, since he really doesn't have much of a part at the end of this book. That's funny. Ouch. Ouch. That's the best we could do. Poor, poor Ellen. I feel kind of bad for him now. He deserves Speaking better. Speaking of, you, you kind of feel, you might feel bad for Ellen in this moment. There's actually another character in this moment that I feel bad for, and it's it's Sezed, because Sezed has just saved Vin, right? He got her out of the room. He deflates, I think is the wording that they use. Yes. He runs out of power. And the guards are there. They're going to recapture him. And that's when Ellen comes charging in to save the day. They Vin gets her medals back she's able to find them like in a crate kind of stored on the side so then you know she's able to fight off all the guards they have their kind of reunion moment and there's this there's this touching important moment which i'm going to distract from a little bit vin says you came back she's talking to ellen you came back no one's ever come back before which for her it, this is like really big moment right mm-hmm. so many of these other characters this has been such kind of a core part of her psyche is that she's she feels like no one, everyone betrays her. And she feels like she had that moment with Ellen, but he came back, and that's very important for her. But I can't help imagining this scene as Vin hugging Ellen, like almost on the verge of tears. You came back. No one's ever come back before. And Sazed is standing like five feet away like, <laughs> what? What was the last two minutes of me coming back to save you? Just like having the most hurt expression for, on his face. For at least the second time, too. He's done this before. Yeah. Come to create a shot to save her before. And I I get it. This is like emotional for Vin. You know, Sezed's like the one she actually trusts. And so this is like someone I wasn't sure I could trust. You came back for me, whatever. But poor Sezed, man. He's come back and had her back like multiple times. Yeah. Anyway. But, you know, Sazed's like the brother, you know, and Ellen's like the boyfriend. So you got to have the emotional. Yeah, anyway. Still think he's over there being like, who am I? Chopped liver? Right. Okay. Chapter 38, the final chapter of the final empire. Which, where do you want to start? Should we start with Marsh? Should we start with Vin? Should we start with the real Lord ruler? Marsh. We got to talk about Marsh. Yeah, okay. let's start with Marsh. All right, go. Oh my, oh my, oh my. I was not completely shocked by this. We talked about this when Marsh died before. You talked about this. You called this a while ago. You're like, what if Marsh turned into an Inquisitor? That this was like, like, (laughs) this was like six (laughs) episodes ago. Yeah. I must have completely said that just kind of offhand as like a joke. I I did not intend that at all as like a prediction. Oh, oh man, that's funny. I did not think, I did not actually think that Marsh was going to become an Inquisitor. I was suspicious that he was not dead. I his his death before was very much a an off screen death, 
that I wasn't quite sold on. But I was expecting him to come back like at the end after we defeated him. And oh, and surprise, Marsh is still alive. You know, something not too pivotal. Oh, no, he not only comes back. He saves the day. He is an inquisitor. Probably something else important there, but I don't remember what it is. He, he learns the mechanics of how inquisitors work is the important part. He, he figures out exactly how inquisitors works, uses it to destroy all of them. Yep. All of them. Which I got to say. Up until the chapter before this, I was thinking, you know, Kelsier. Clearly, he's the MVP here. Plans everything out, carries the day. What will we do without Kelsier? After this, very convinced this Marsh Marsh gets the MVP award for this, for sure. Kelsier spends the entire book and just barely kills one Inquisitor. Marsh is just like, oh yeah, I just left them all out in a pile in the hall. It's fine. They're all dead. I got this. <laughs> he kind of did the if you can't beat them, join them route. Right. Yeah, apparently. Kelsier is still trying to beat them, you know, and it worked out well for him, I guess, here. So, One of my one of my favorite lines is in the epilogue. Vin like disconcertingly looks at Marsh and says, "Does that hurt? Does do those spikes through your head hurt?" And Marsh is like, "Yes, they hurt a lot." <laughs> <laughs> the mechanics themselves are actually quite interesting. So, and, and we get some good explanations of this. We maybe not quite all the details, but we learn that the Inquisitors are Inquisitors because of. 11, I think, 11 spikes yes. that they have in their bodies, nine in their torso, two in their eyes, in their head, and pivotally, one in their spine, in the back. Yep. And that's the, Marsh explains that the only way to kill them is to separate the lower spikes from the upper spikes. And he's like, oh yeah, if you just pull out the back one, they just kind of, that that's the linchpin, they just all kind of fall apart. Yeah, a little so cold just goes... Yeah, they just kind of have like an off switch in back, apparently. Yeah. Just get it and kind then, of pop their back, you know? I guess. And then we get actually a little explanation of how they see, which I thought was fascinating. We, we see this, Marsh, I think, talks about this a tiny bit, but then we actually get a small perspective in one of these chapters from one of these Inquisitor guys. Yeah. And he, what's his name? Car? Car. K-A-R. Car. Yeah. He explains that they can't see. They don't have eyes. They can't see anymore. But they can use their allomancy to see the world around them through the like super atomic level trace metals that are in everything. They can sense. They can see the, what do they call them? Iron, iron lines, metal lines, something like that. Yeah, something like that. There's a term for it. They can see like all of those little specks in everything, and so they can use that to kind of draw a picture in their in their mind of the world around them, which I thought was fascinating, really interesting. Also, side note: if you could find a way to somehow remove all trace metals from your body, you could go stealth mode. Against yeah, they wouldn't be able to see you. That'd be really, really hard to do. But maybe That's true. I was thinking of if you could like push on those trace metals or something like that. Mm, yeah, I 
just had a random thought, but it's more probably more of a tangent than anything. But the the more I think about it, the more I think that this Inquisitor really should have been able to see um Sazed's metal in his stomach. Yeah. I feel like they'd just be a little confused. They'd be like, um I mean not actually, <laughs> you, you know, the Inquisitors are yeah. pretty <laughs> ruthless, but they're just like uh okay. Well I guess they just assume he's not he's not the brightest not the brightest, uh, the sharpest tool in the shed, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's an explanation for that, but I won't go into that too much. Okay, um, I have to start the discussion about the Lord Ruler with an apology. I didn't remember the mechanics of the Lord Ruler, and so a couple episodes ago, I verbally said out loud, I wonder if the Lord Ruler's a ferrochemist. So, if I unintentionally spoiled that for anybody who was first reading i apologize <laughs> but uh i genuinely didn't remember that and reading this chapter i was like oh oh yeah that's that's what I happens do, i do remember you saying that trevor and i 100 percent thought i was like oh this is one of his clever little red herrings like uh, <laughs> what if this and we're like that could never happen and then no that one was that one was an accident if i if I threw that one out there and somebody was spoiled because they assumed I was intentionally spoiling it, I apologize. But I did not remember this. Um, so this was an interesting one. Elliot, what was your genuine reactions as opposed to my un unfortunate memory <laughs> reactions? I didn't feel... I felt the bigger surprise, the bigger reveal, was that the Lord Ruler was not the person we thought he was, that we, we kind of already talked about that Vin discovers that he was actually the Rashik. What, what's his name? Yeah. Rashik. Rashik. That, that, that was the, the surprise that the fact that he was a, a fair chemist, I, I did not expect that to be the case, but we, we kind of, we had a lot of clues. We, we had been discovering Alamancy as we went and we'd been discovering ferrochemy as we we've gone. That's something we probably, if we'd sat down and thought about it hard enough, could have come to that conclusion but fascinating combination of the two magical systems yeah really really interesting and i loved the kind of debrief on it that we get in the epilogue i don't know if you want to go into that now or, or say that for a second you can go ahead i the epilogue was great simply because we got a chance to kind of digest everything we just uh had been through in that uh the Sanderlanch there says it is able to kind of talk like marsh is there vin is there through what had happened and basically we learned that the lord ruler is using both alamancy and ferrochemy to kind of cheat a little bit we we learned before that through ferrochemy you can be younger but says it kind of tossed it out saying well it's kind of useless because you can be younger but it means you have to also be older in order just to store up that youngness and you can't actually like net gain any age right. over time well what the lord ruler can do presumably because he has both powers is that the limiting the limitation on ferrochemy is you are spending your own energy that there is still a net loss of your energy Alamancy, you're spending metal. You're not actually outputting the effort the metal is. It's when you run out of metal that you're out of the resource. 
But when you combine the two, if you can take the, the aging or de-aging power of ferrochemy, but power it with the metal from allomancy, now you hit this infinite loop that the Lord Ruler was able to achieve, which was, I'm going to spend time being old to store up age and then spend that metal to, as my resource, as I unlock that youngness, I don't know what you want to call it. He's storing youngness youth. in his metal. Youth. Youth. Yeah. Yes. The bracelet, bracelet of youth. In a metal. The bracelet of youth that's apparently embedded in his arm, which doesn't sound pleasant. But the interesting combination there allowed him to do something that no one else thought was possible because he broke the rules. Again, we kind of got this, here's the rules, but oh wait, he actually is able to use these powers in a way you didn't expect to achieve true or actual, I'll say, immortality, which is not what I thought was going to happen. My, my prediction from the beginning was that there was going to be some kind of a trick, that this was either going to be you know, a ruse that they've been maintaining for hundreds of years where they swap out a new person every 30 years or something like that. I fully expected there to be some kind of a puppeteering going on here. Not the case at all. It's just a really powerful magic user with two magic systems at his, at his use. Vin has a line, not in this episode, but a couple episodes ago, talking to Sazed, where she says, well, if you just explain the rules like that, that's kind of just disappointing. Like, I, I understand that, and I can wrap my head around that. So I feel that way here. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And he was immortal. I don't feel like that. I feel like that was kind of disappointing, actually, that he's, he's immortal just because of this little rule quirk. Or just, he has access to all the resources and not everyone else does and so he's got access to way more abilities than anyone else there's a few moments in these chapters where vin just like can sense his seemingly infinite power mm -hmm. where she can just tell oh yeah he can just destroy this entire city if he wants to and it, it just was very clear that that's what we were dealing with it yeah w whether he is god or not like he thinks he is his level of power is godlike power in comparison to everybody else there's a specific line when vin uh pulls on his metal mind to dislodge it from his arm uh did you guys catch it's an internal dialogue from vin and she's that, that there's a mechanic that we get from Vin's perspective, so it may not be reliable, but that there's a line that uh, is revealed to us. Did you guys catch it? Is this the mists? Yes. Vin is seems to be able to pull on the uh, metal mind in the Lord Ruler's arm only after it says she drew upon the mist. Yeah. I was very intrigued by that line. It was very specific. It wasn't like hinted at or anything. It, it right there in the text. She drew upon the mists. Yep. It's like whoa. That's possible. And like, what does that even mean? Is it similar to the Lord Ruler, where he's kind of using one magic by pulling on another magic? Like, is that what Vin is now tapping into? Is she's going to fuel her allomancy 
through the mists? Is that even allomancy at that point? Are we talking about something different? I'm very intrigued. What are your thoughts, Paul? Yeah, it's crazy. That's just crazy. She drew upon the mists. Um, in all honesty, uh, like like, I'm I'm gonna take a, a step away as to whether what my thoughts are on that. Slightly. Well, actually, it is my thoughts on it. I know that they're uh, like reading this. I knew that there were like implications for like why this could happen, or at least I was trusting Brandon Sanderson in that in that writing. But it almost felt like a little cheat code at the end, mm, yeah, kind of thing. That was actually a little bit how I felt reading this the first time. I was like, okay, we've done all this stuff. We have the eleventh medal. We found the weakness. Now I'm gonna whip this thing out, you know, like that we we haven't really known about. So, I don't know if it's like a. It, it felt to me almost like a snapping thing, like how they say they find alamancers okay. or how alamancers discover their alamancers. Okay. Maybe this is another magic form, and this was her snapping moment. I, I had a thought in this moment. Because I, I agree with you. This is the this is the moment where everything is lost. The the heroes have lost. The Lord Ruler is just going to crush Vin and kill Marsh. They had a valiant effort, but they but they failed. But that's not what happened, because something unexpected enters into the moment that you didn't know about before, and directly results in the success and victory of the heroes. And this is extremely common in fantasy stories of all kinds. It's often referred to as Deus Ex Machina, which implies sort of this divine intervention. And Tolkien is famous for taking this to the fullest extreme and saying, no, it is divine intervention. It is God intervening in that moment. He called it eucatastrophe. Deus Ex Machina, I think, is a little more vague in that it's, it's often just that moment where you thought all was lost, but something that that ray of hope arrives and the heroes win it's a little ironic in this moment though because deus ex machina means it's like god in the machine or something like that go look up latin perhaps the ironic bit is that the lord ruler thinks that he is god and so we almost have like an inverse of deus ex machina is it is this like not divine intervention where it's a godlike being helping the hero defeat the evil is this almost like some other force helping the, the hero defeat the god like is it backwards <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point deus ex machina literally means god from the machine so god from the machine okay yeah so i'm i'm curious where's 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 the God? I've got my air quotes going here. Where, where's where's the God in this scene? Is it the Lord Ruler? Is it the Mists? Is it Vin? Is it, an, uh, <laughs> is it Marsh? <laughs> like, where, where, where is the greater force? Where is the greater power at work here in this scene? It's a genuine question that I know... Is it Kelsey? The answer is, is Rafa. Right? Like not ironically, is is it Sazed? I mean, we've got a lot of options here. Yeah, 
These are the questions I'm asking. I'm going to write that one down. Who is God in Mistborn? Okay, so as the Lord Ruler is dying, he says, and I quote, from the audiobook, I quote, and I wrote this down, you don't know what I did for mankind. I was your God, even if you couldn't see it. By killing me, you have doomed yourselves. Elliot, in your written down published version, what does the Lord Ruler say? So here's what the text literally in my hand says. You don't know what I do for mankind. I was your God, even if you couldn't see it. By killing me, you have doomed yourselves. There is one word difference. Paul, did you catch it? I certainly did. Or do. <laughs> that was a really poor joke. That was a good but one. I, I see. Uh, like the past tense to the present tense of what I did for mankind in the audiobook versus what I do for mankind. Yes. And it doesn't seem super important until you get to the epilogue. And Vin is having this internal dialogue of saying, I'm not even that scared of like inquisitors or the obligators anymore. I'm more scared of what the Lord Ruler just said before I stabbed him through the chest. The Lord Ruler just said, you don't know what I do for mankind. He said, do not did what I do for mankind. And when I was listening to this on the audiobook through this, this listen through, I was like, no, he didn't. He said did. And so I went back and listened to it. And the audiobook says, you don't know what I did for mankind. And then, you know, I, I didn't think about it. Like, that's pretty epic. Get to the epilogue and Vince, like, he specifically said do, not did. And then I was like, no, he didn't. He said did. So the, I don't know if it's a typo. I, I've never heard anyone discuss this before. Like, I don't have an answer for you guys of why this is the case. But Michael Kramer specifically says, I don't know what I did for what you don't know what I did for mankind. And Vin specifically says, the Lord Ruler said do, not did. I just wanted to point that out. I've never heard anyone discuss it before. That's that's a neat thing to point out, actually. I'm I'm assuming that set, given the context in the book, the written book and everything, that do is what it should have said. I don't know if did was like an old version or recording or what or yeah who knows or simply like a slight mistake that fell through but I I assume it's a typo. Is this um I have a more recent edition of the text. I wonder what some of the early written editions say. Yeah. If this if this was something that was in like a typo in in the original manuscript and that's what got you know used for the audiobook and right. that it was corrected later in the in the process or something like that or with later editions it just it's got me scratching my head because it's like a pivotal part of the end of the book here yeah then is trying to dissect you know what what just happened here and she's you know breaking it down to the grammar of what he said and there's a typo in the grammar that we're trying to 
trying to figure out here. Yeah. I, I wonder if Michael Kramer's copy literally said do and he just said did accidentally and nobody caught it. Um Maybe. But it, it is it is really funny that there's literally one word that she's brewing over in the epilogue and it's incorrect in the audiobook. <laughs> and the story implications of this are big, which is what Vin is thinking about, which is the the Lord Ruler seems to be implying that he's actively doing something to protect or save or enable the existence of mankind. Yeah. And a term we haven't really gotten to, gotten any explanation of, is the deepness. Yes. You, you talked about the fact that we've gotten a lot of answers, and we have. One of the answers we did not get is the deepness. And that's been very tied into this whole, the hero of ages acquires the power and defeats the deepness. But did he? Or is it something he has to actively do every few months? Like it comes back and he goes and stuffs it back down in its hole? Or I, I'm equally worried as Vin is here. I, we may have defeated the evil only to unleash the other bigger evil. Yes, maybe. perhaps. Anything else before we get into our theme for part five? Just a real quick note, because I'm actually going to come back to this in our like full book retrospective episode. I wanted to point out that it was extremely clear in these chapters that we are dealing with a fairly pure version of evil. So when oh, okay, I say yeah. that, I mean there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts in these last few chapters that Inquisitors are evil. It is undeniably clear they enjoy torture for the sake of watching other people suffer. Yeah, there there was no no kind of ploy of ah, but they're you know just misunderstood. They're trying to do the right thing for the people. Like no, 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 they're just evil. They're just plain old evil, which I want to talk about in our retrospective a little bit because it's a fairly non-complex version of villainy, which we can talk about whether you guys agree with that or not maybe in that episode, but I just thought it was interesting that it was that straightforward. And I can bring this up more next week, but what you're, what you're talking about there is absolutely true. The inquisitors, I'm not sure if it's true of the Lord ruler. There may be a couple lines that are trying to throw a seed of doubt on what the Lord ruler is doing, but that's not the case for the inquisitors. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to talk about it. Elliot, do you have a theme for part five specifically? Uh, yeah, I do. Part five felt very rushed. It was basically the entirety of the Sander Lanch, so I read almost the whole thing in one sitting, and it was uh, pretty exciting. Not too long. The theme I pulled out of it was mainly tied into everything we've talked about with Kelsier. And the word I would bring it all down to is is faith. We've talked about the the religious themes or tones in this story, and there's a lot of them. We can dissect them a little more in our, our final episode. 
but faith seemed like a, a pretty pivotal part of this last segment of the book where we see the fruition of Kelsier's faith in all of his team members. Yeah. He's believed in them from day one. And he's cashed in all of that by saying, I believe in you so much. I'm going to die for this cause because I believe in you to carry it across the finish line. Like, wow, you cannot have more faith in someone than that. Impressive. And then Sezid has a, has a quote about faith in this, this last section that I got to read. I got to say, I called it. I knew that this guy was going to be quotable. He does have you did a lot of it. good ones. This is, this is one of them particularly. Sezid shook his head, walking over to stand beside her. Belief isn't simply a thing for fair times and bright days. I think. What is belief? What is faith? If you don't continue in it after failure. I really like that description of faith and really tying that continuing on even when it seems like you failed definition to faith. Because I think a lot of times faith gets tied to hope sometimes, but they're, they're different. They're different. And that, dis- that definition from Sezid, I think, kind of helps shed some light on maybe the, the faith side. In, a, in differentiation from the hope side of things. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I agree. All right. If you've not read Stormlight fairly well, we will see the next week for our Final Empire final episode. Until then, Stormlight stuff. Sorry, I spoiled your point here, Elliot. Stormlight, go, just go read all the books right quick. And then come back and press play on this one because I'm kind of excited. Sorry, I stole your point here, Elliot. You, you stole my thunder, and I'm moderately, potentially a little bit more than moderately upset about this because <laughs> I was ready to spin this whole elaborate theory about how I've been looking for aluminum this entire book, and I finally, based on one sentence in this book, thought I found it. And then you read the segment from Brandon that says, oh, yeah, and by the way, it's it's aluminum was in that scene that yeah so yeah that was cool moment actually i i mentioned before i'm excited about seeing more and more about allomancy and how there's so much that we haven't discovered i've been desperate aluminum i feel like has become the the dark sphere of this book (laughs) i was worried it was gonna be it was like i came into this book knowing one thing i was like okay i know it's about metals well gosh darn it i know about one metal and so i'm ready for this there are eight metals of allomancy, and they are not aluminum, not aluminum, not aluminum, not aluminum. Where's the aluminum in this whole story? And I was getting worried that it was going to be like not until end of book three that we find it, but we did find it here. And it, I, my my theory was going to be tied to the concept of it reducing or removing the investiture. Yeah. Because that's what happens. She's forced to ingest this metal and burn it. And then when she does, all the rest of her metals disappear. And so my guess was going to be, oh, we know that aluminum repels or prevents investiture of sorts. Could that be what just happened in Vin's stomach? Apparently, yes, because Brandon just said yes. I, I will say this is, I've read the 
the first era here, but this is this was news to me. Like, I, it makes total sense, and I was kind of wondering this read through where aluminum might come into the picture. But like, it, it fully makes sense. But I didn't know if there would be a confirmation of this or what. Uh, which is really really cool, and has me thinking about all sorts of other stuff, which I'm excited about. But then here's here's now the questions that start to to spin on the spinning wheel of, of my mind. We know based on our allomantic theory system that we're learning about, we pretty much always have metals and alloys. And the alloys do similar but different things to their base metals. Well, if we know what aluminum does on Roshar, is there an alloy of aluminum? It's going to do something kind of that but different. And would that metal have specific uses on other planets like Roshar? Great question. I'm not brushed up on my alimantic theory that you don't know about yet to answer this question. So I can safely say I don't know. I'm sad I'm because so... I, I have a theory now. But we can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Feel my we'll pain, Paul. Feel yes. my pain. I know. Oh, I think I. I think I have one. Anyways, one that was all that, I had. Yeah, one thing that popped into my mind with this, you know, now that we're looking at Condra and looking at Stormlight, Condra seem like. If you asked me, could a Chondra ever like world hop or something? I would say no. However, what if they could? What if there's Chondra on Roshar and that they're like fake? You know, you're talking to whoever, I don't know, Roshon, but it's not Roshon, it's fake Roshon and Roshon is dead, you know? Or. All sorts of things, right? Like, like it, it does... I think Trevor made a mention... I don't know if he mentioned this part specifically, but what Condra does to a story, just the fact that it exists in the world means, like, anyone could not be real. It's like you're sleepless, right? Where yes. you just really don't know who you're talking to. Yes. I was also thinking, what... Just, just as a general headcanon, like, what if, what if thing... What if, like, Condra ate a sleepless's oh body? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and you had like a Chondra sleepless. It that would be kind of these are these are the type of questions that get raffled immediately by Brandon Sanders. He's like, <laughs> is... I have no idea what that would do, Raffo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it almost starts to sound like the the start of a bad joke, like a sleepless and a Chondra walk into a bar. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. Something silly happens, and afterwards. fourteen people walk out. Yeah. <laughs> so to answer your question that's on the outline, I'm not sure if you quite articulated it fully, but when The Way of Kings was published in 2010, Mistborn had been fully published at that point. Somebody jokingly asked Brandon Sanderson, are there any Chondra on Roshar? And Brandon Sanderson, completely straight-faced, said, one. Well, wow. Well... I don't like that. There you go. <laughs> I wanted this to be a fun what if. Not a who is yes, it. Yes, now it's a where is it. Oh, dear. 
It's Ishik. I knew it. There you go. He was going to come into play somehow. Or Hoyd. Those are my two guesses. Those are two very different characters. (laughs) Those are two (laughs) remarkably different characters that we know of, that we know so far. Stormlight 5 has not been published, so they could be very intertwined. You never know. If, uh, what if good old Axes is actually Ooh. not an Amian, but is instead a Chondra pretending to be a sleepless Amian, whatever he is? Interesting Ooh. questions. Mm. Yes? I mean, it's opening up a whole other can of worms, but is he just talking? No, I, I, I can't... Ugh. I don't know if is he just talking about Thydekar? Oh, he could be. Like that could just be in reference to Thydekar, maybe. It's possible. But I I don't I still don't understand how the pieces connect there really. But you know, if I if you like, we're like right now you have to guess who that'd be my my guess right. Guess that makes sense, but the rest is like a fun speculative game. I feel like Brandon Sanderson also would just say there's one, <laughs> and, and then honestly, just, it's never, just a lie. Never elaborate. And so right. <laughs> everyone is always thinking, "Who is it? Who could it be?" And just no answer. Yeah, it, it's just it's just to plant a huge seed of doubt in everyone's mind. I would believe that. It's fully. cheery, cheery. Uh huh. Or just some random obscure character that does not have any impact. Like the, what is it, the like shopkeeper in like the Wave Kings at the beginning? Or just like, so just random. It was like one of the characters who died to Yasna in the alleyway. Just like something really like little, you know, anyways. anyways. Or. There's a lot of chaos with huge, that question. Huge Stormlight spoilers. Maybe it's Taln, and that's why he can put up with the torture for so long because he's not really part of his body. Food for thought. Wow. But then wouldn't it be like, why would he stop at whatever years? Like, wouldn't he be able to just go forever? Tom did not break. You're right. He did not break, did he? He did not break. Interesting. Something else brought him back, not him breaking. That. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. I kind of like that one. That, That's kind of That crazy. just came to me. I didn't. Uh, that uh-huh. was not planned. Okay. Um. Unless y'all have other conjure thoughts, I had one other thought that comes up in thinking about Stormlight and thinking about the end of our book here. Is I don't remember which character it was, but we see a character that wears a bunch of rings on Roshar. Couple of them, yeah. And then we talked about it a couple times. Mm-hmm. There was like one notable character, wasn't it? Was he a member of the Ghostbloods, or am I thinking of someone else? Um, so we have someone talking to Lift, I think. Lift, I could oh, be wrong. Yeah, so we have Exendweth, who gives the Void Fear to Eshvenli, um, mm-hmm. and. Suspect number two is the ardent dude who dies in your Ethereum, um, who has the AVR with him. Um, Mara- I think I'm thinking of the one with the AVR. Marais is hunting him for some reason we never get explained. Um, yeah. Has an AVR with him, has a bunch of metal on him. Yeah. 
at anyways, just thinking about the Lord Ruler in this episode. Um this episode it, it just throughout the whole book like with all of his rings and all of his stuff i was like I, that could be the case with like characters we've seen and just never thought to notice that right right like a bunch of rings a bunch of jewelry like mm-hmm. being potentially being a fair chemist i don't think we've really seen any fair chemi we had the whole big talk of what if teravangian is somehow using some fair chemi we don't know about we did go down anyways. that rabbit hole that that's that's a big rabbit hole, but you know, we've seen a lot of rings. So I, in my head, it's very possible. It also seems like a very transportable way. Like we talked about, stormlight is like really hard to get off of Roshar. I guess I feel like a metal mind would not be too hard to take with you. Assuming it works off planet, which is a question that's very unclear in my mind. Because I'm so tied to the Roshar system, where I'm, I'm kind of expecting magic to not work off of the planet that you're on. So I don't know that they're like physical, but we know at the end of Rhythm of War, uh, a, a certain. No, wait, was it the end of Rhythm? It was the yes. end of Rhythm of War, right? Yeah. Wait. The, that. Yes, loses his a lot of his like memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could that be tied to that in some way? There's no indication of anything like that, so it doesn't feel like that's a nod. And and we yeah, talked but about I'm this. Like, you could have all this stuff stored in a copper mind, right? We talked about this earlier, and we I, I still haven't gone back and read it, but we assumed at the time that it was breath based because. I like I think his cloak changes color or something. It goes yeah. from blue to gray or something. Um You're and right. I was Todium, about that. Todium has sucked his breaths and that's where he's storing his memories. But um also at the beginning of Rhythm of War, Zyle is quite clearly using breaths in a spar against Kaladin. Yeah. So we we know that breaths work on Roshar. We it, it's still unclear to me if Ferrochemy works on Roshar, um, even though it's pretty clear that there are ferrochemists on Roshar. Uh, my one other question, I don't know if we've talked about this, and this isn't Stormlight, but it is, it's Warbreaker. That's okay. Okay. Of God King versus Lord Ruler. Yeah. Just general thoughts. Like, they, they are very... I think maybe I brought this up briefly before, but they I feel like they're pictured in my head I picture them similarly. Like whenever they're in their powerful stages, right? Like when the the Lord Ruler is like a young man. Like we obviously we know the ins and outs of each of them now. But I feel like when was Warbreaker written in the like timeline? Not like the in-world timeline like in real life. Okay. Mistborn so trilogy, written... Wave Kings, Warbreaker, Words of Radiance. Okay. It feels like almost oddly like similar the two characters to me. They they have very 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 different circumstances, but like. Or is it two thousand nine, Elliot? Now I'm date doubting myself. I think it's nine. Okay. Either way, I feel like the characters are kind of like almost eerily similar. You know, just in like. I guess Brandon Sanderson liked writing with these, like, 
powerful figurehead god people kind of thing, you know? Uh, that they're, like, shown to be all-powerful, but then it's, like, there's a big gimmick with them. It seems like a reoccurring thing. And I'm not super informed on the topic, so I won't go too far into it, but not to get super meta with it, that's a fairly common Mormon ideology um, from the Mormon church that you can be a normal person, gain a lot of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, extra... That I was gonna say extraterrestrial. That's not correct. Um, extra. Are you thinking like how heightenings work? Supernatural. Su thank you. Supernatural powers and become godlike. That that is a that that is a fairly that that's not Brandon Sanderson original. Um. That's true. So, but yes, I, I agree that certainly a common thread throughout his whole shards, um, mechanics of. All of these shard wielders um, were human at one point, um, and there's different levels to that. I actually started the book expecting the Lord Ruler to be more similar to Susebron than I think he ended up being. That was part of what fueled my, I thought the Lord Ruler was going to be fake from the start because of what we read in Warbreaker. Yeah. And I felt like at the end of this book, it turns out that he, he is kind of a fake, but at the same time, he really does have all those powers. And I mean, I guess that's true of Warbreaker too. He just couldn't use them in Warbreaker. Right. Right. Yeah. I definitely do think that they're an interesting compare and contrast case. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I have any more. I'd be willing to bet if you interpreted that into different languages, God, King, and Lord Ruler would just interpret as the same word. Yeah, uh, like yeah. it is like oddly like that 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 is really similar to. I was even like stopping myself to try to make sure I said the right thing. Yeah. Anything else, gentlemen? It's a good book. I feel like I'm still catching my breath. Not not quite the uh, not quite as mind breaking as say like an Oathbringer mm -hmm. but still a very satisfying finish to a book I agree we can talk about the book as a whole and how we liked it and disliked it next week until then thanks for joining me Paul and Elliot see ya peace